Hi, all, and welcome back to Dame It All to Hell. I'm Kelly Gibson. Here we are back at it in our little white studio, which some days feels a lot like a psych ward. But um, <laughs> today's t- a Tuesday. We're recording on a Tuesday, and it's another big primary day. It's The big ones are Michigan, Kansas, and Missouri, and there's a special election in Ohio. But the, in Michigan, there's a big governor's race which in which Gretchen Whitmore might take the nomination on the Democratic side, which means she'd be the first uh, female governor in the state of Michigan in about seven years. And that's relevant because we're going to talk later. There are more uh, women running than ever and are poised to win more governorships than ever before. That's amazing. And I'm Tracy Dietz. We're going to talk about something kind of serious today, a little bit more about the Me Too movement and, and how it's helped give more women a voice and it's holding men accountable for their really shitty, terrible behavior, sexism, misogyny, and harassment. It's awful. It's a great time to be a lady. Look at all these women running for office and winning and, you know, people are listening to us. But there was a new study that just came to, came out that confirms previous research that suggests heterosexual women choose men who display affectionate but patronizing attitudes that treat women as needing men's help, protection, and provision, technically referred to as benevolent sexism, which we never fucking heard of. So it's a thing, apparently. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And so the definition was in that intro, but just one more time, just so people can really, really sink in. Benevolent sexism, or BS, which, which is funny, call it, is an existing research term that refers to, and I quote, an affectionate but patronizing attitude that treats women as needing men's help, protection, and provision, i.e. as being more like children than adults. So, I'm, so I want to fight this article, but I don't because there's part of me that kind of likes having protection from my husband and the fact that he does things for me. I think and you should rephrase that. Not protection me. From your husband. Sorry, yeah. sorry. Protection. Right. Like, I like it when my husband protects me. Right. Correct. I, not protection from my husband. My husband's the most amazing thing ever. He's going to listen. He's totally a unicorn. But I I like to feel protected. I like to feel secure. Unicorns are really not manly. I just want to point that out. <laughs> <laughs> they have the giant horn on they their They protect thing, nobody. So it's good. Yeah. Skittles. You know what I mean? But you know the story about unicorns because they, yes, they, no, no, they're no. mythical. Unique. They don't know. Yeah. No, they're mythical. They don't exist. And yeah, I disagree. A shocker. I'm sure everyone that listens is going to be surprised about that. I do not need to be protected by or provided. You don't need to, but it's kind of nice. Like by who? We live in like like an affluent place in 2018. So we talk all the time about how when men are doing shitty things to women, how we want other men to stand up and say shit. Like, so that's an example of men helping to protect women. Is As that allies. Being patron- right. But is that being patronizing or is that being protective? It's like, a good what's po- the difference? It's a good point. The point, which I never say to Tracy D. It's a good point. <laughs> but what I, what I want to call out is I don't need men to make my life safe. I don't need men. I also don't need men to make my life unsafe. What I'm saying is if, if I can be on equal footing – with my partner, which I am, by the way. My husband is also a unicorn, a very masculine Yay, one. Caleb. But I think that I, we share all the shit. Like, we share the earnings. We share the childcare, We share the chores. He does more laundry than I do. Sure. I take out the garbage, even though I hate it. He probably does it more. There is no, literally, by intention, no gender-defined things in our marriage. We are a heterosexual couple and have been married almost 10 years and have sex. Because we're a healthy couple 
and there's a man and a woman involved in that juncture. But outside of that, we are partners, and I don't need him to be strong and But it's not better about what you – it's not necessarily need. I don't – need him to buy my dinner, but it's nice when he buys my dinner. I mean, we're married now, so all the money's in the same place, but I don't need a man to open a door for me, but it was nice, like back in the day. Like, it's nice when they do it. So I think, and, and is a man being sexist when he opens a door for a woman? Like, so here's here's where I start to get lost is, what's the difference between benevolent sexism and chivalry? And we were talking a little bit about this earlier. So... You, Kelly is giving me the most ridiculous look on the planet right now because she wants to just spout and scream, but she's polite. No, I want to know bringing... what your difference between chivalry and benevolent sexism. Bring it. So do you think that if a man opens a door, he's being sexist? No, but if I go first into a place, I open the door and hold it for whomever's behind sure. me, my husband or anybody yeah, else. Of I don't wait to let him open the door. We're partners in life. We're yeah. partners in parenting. We're partners. But it's not bad if he rushes to get in front of you to open the door for you. Is that bad? Oh, it's just so silly. No, it's chivalrous. Oh, why is that a bad thing? It's not bad. It's just silly. So when you guys were dating, if he paid for dinner, did you fight him on that? Uh, Probably. I'm just trying to remember. Um, no. We we never fight. Well, I didn't mean so. Yeah, I didn't yeah, mean yeah. Fight, um, but- uh, Did you demand I will buy my own fucking dinner? No, no, no. I was certainly raised. Oh my gosh, I, my mother listens. I would never dare say she was cool with benevolent sexism because I didn't know what it was before 24 hours ago. <laughs> but, you know, the interesting thing about this article is it's trying to define a trade-off. At least that's how I read it. And we, when Tracy and I were prepping for this, I'm not sure we totally agreed with this, but it's sort of saying like... If you're cool with the man being the strong provider, quote unquote, head of household, which if you're a listener, you know what the fuck that means. You, did you tell us on Facebook? Because we don't know what it means. Then just there is a status. there's like a byproduct that means that you're probably that there's also probably a patronizing element to that relationship existence, which is like. I am the one that carries the Christmas tree up from the basement, and I, you know, move I like the it when my husband carries the Christmas I like tree up the move the heavy stuff, and I make the money, and and there is an opportunity that the alternative, and my wife does these other things that aren't as important, which I think is what they're pointing Wait, but, to the, patri- the patronizing say, thing. Hold on, but they no, never I'm, said that those other things weren't as important. I'm reading into it; they're just different. Yep, but patronizing by definition means. Something is less important than another thing. I mean, when you patronize somebody, you make them feel smaller than you. I mean, that is what patronizing means. So if you're saying that that the definition, again, an affectionate but patronizing attitude. So you're like, super love your wife, but you're the provider, which means she's just the homemaker. And so there's like a patronizing element to the definition of this theory. So when you think about evolution... A long time ago, depending on how long old you think the Earth is. Depends if you believe in God or or, or science. I don't know. We we won't get into that. (laughs) But however long you think it was, as we were evolving, men were the hunters and gatherers and women were the nurturers and took care of kids. Because they still can't make babies. Yeah, yeah, I I don't think it's a bad thing. I'm not – so you immediately took that as negative. I didn't mean it as negative. It was just a f- simple fact that men went out and hunted and the women took care of the kids because they could feed them, nurse them. Make and them. make them. Yes. Well, we needed men to make them. 
I know. You, I don't want to give men credit. we got to give them a little bit of credit. No, no, no. You need their sperm, but they can't, like, grow a baby. So, like, <laughs> when you're growing a baby, they go, like, get get right. the venison. Correct, because they know. couldn't actually grow a baby. Right. the pain would be too great for them to handle. <laughs> what? i got to, like, get my dig in if we're going to, like, trash men on occasion. Like, just oh, you're very hard to understand. What? <laughs> my point is, like, there were defined roles because there had to be. There, I mean, somebody had to feed – somebody had to f- – literally nurse the child and take care of it and somebody had to go and hunt and gather and bring food back and men are physically stronger genetically sure right so it would make sense that even however many years later you think the earth is which we're not going to get into that men would be the ones that would be more likely to be protectors so my my whole point is i could i still understand why women like even this many years later which is thousands and thousands and thousands, we still think of men as being protectors. I just so 100% with the entirety of my brain, <laughs> soul, heart, body disagree with you. I don't I don't know why we have to be the way the cave people, the way the original humans, the way the monkey We don't have people. to be, but why is it bad to still want to feel like a lady? This is what I said to you. It's not bad, and I take offense to your feel like a lady. It's not a bad thing. It's just if you choose that thing, there are byproducts to that thing, and byproducts of that thing is that you are made to be the smaller person. So we can never have it both ways. Can you be the person that is like the the sort of wilting violet who needs the help of a strong man to survive in life? No, but I don't think you need – you don't have to be a wilting violet to want a strong man. Like you could have both. Like you can be strong and powerful yet still have a man be so strong. So in this case, I do think your husband is the is a unicorn because I don't think a lot of men are cool with half the time being the strong one and half the time having a strong wife. So, so one point and then um, we can move on. In my Match.com profile <laughs> when I was dating, one of the things I specifically said was I can open my own fucking doors and I can buy my own damn dinner. But it would be really nice if you opened my fucking door and bought my dinner. Like, I think you could have both. And, you, I mean, and, you in the entirety of Unknown, you've been a walking contradiction. So, like, I think that there is. I don't think that's a contradiction. I think you can just have both. Like, I think you can be capable of making all the money and totally kicking ass and being the head of household, according to tax status, which basically means you just make all the money. Um, pay all the bills, do all the stuff. Uh, but still in the want house. your husband to do stuff that you can't do be based on your gender. No, I still think you just could want your husband to do. But what can't you do based on your gender? Well, you just said men are stronger and women are. Well, not yeah, strong. if I needed to carry the fucking couch up, like, yes, I need him to do that. I can't fucking <laughs> Your husband carry a may be a unicorn, but he could not carry a couch by himself. He did. He but carried you know. <laughs> the fucking couch and put it in the minivan and took it to my friend's house and gave her a couch. He carried the whole fucking thing. You know who are strong? The women of the WNBA. <laughs> I think they can carry a couch, too. So there is an article in the Washington Post about entitled, I'm a WNBA player and men won't stop challenging me to play one-on-one, which shocked me. Well, it disappointed and saddened my heart, but did not surprise me one bit. So, like, it says in the article, women who deign to be – well, it it what I got from the article is that women who deign to be as strong as a man or as bold or as aggressive are somehow not as much of a woman. There is this rub 
And it gets back to the benevolent sexism thing because men want to be strong and providers. And when they're confronted with a woman who may be stronger, that all goes out the door. This article, the woman that wrote it, the WMB player, said these men that challenged her one-on-one would elbow her and shove her into the trees and they would walk away. She walked away as a victor but covered in bruises because, in fact, men need to be stronger and their ego needs to be smarter than coming to realization about some equality with a woman. So she was actually very specific that – it was not strong, confident men. So she makes a point talking about how NBA players, men at the top of their game, men that are good at basketball would never in a million years challenge her because they respect and understand that she is at the top of her game. Which makes it even worse. No. So it's like weak men. No, it's that insecure. Can't, right, but, wait, it's insecure insecure men can't. but it's insecure douchebags that feel like they need to pee on a, a, a fire hydrant. And so those They are guys, the biggest problem. And there's, uh, what do you think there are more of? Weak, insecure douchebags or professional NBA players or men at the top of the game that would never do it? Well, but I also think that there are men that may not be at the top of their game that also just are confident people that would never, like my husband would never challenge a WNBA player. I think Matt Haver, who played basketball, (laughs) fine, fine. My partner, Matt, would never in a million years challenge a WNBA player. And he played basketball and he was pretty good at it. He would never do that because, there, what's the point? Right. But let's go back to sort of what this article is trying to say, which is men have a problem. S- some men. Insecure men. Which is a large portion of men. They're delicate. Have a problem with strong women. And the strength can be strength of ath- athleticism or strength of intelligence or strength of finan- sort of financial independence or any kind of strength. And and if there are all these women from the study that we just talked about that are that prefer men, even if they're patronizing, if they're strong and providers, it's a it's a it's a rub that feels sort of very hard to get past because women women should stand up for women, yes, and absolutely. say to a whole bunch of those insecure men, stop being so fucking insecure. Yes, but if they want those insecure douchebags to love them because they're strong providers, even if they're not at the top of their game, you get into this like. Bermuda fucking triangle. Right. I'd like to think that the insecure men that aren't capable of actually beating a WNBA player in a game of basketball are not the men we're talking about because they suck. But like do, they're not the, they're not strong enough. Like they suck. Do you not think there's a lot of those people? I, I think I meet a new one every single day of my life. I'd like to hope not. Like I'd like to think that men are more confident and the men that I hang out with are not those people. And And when you run across those people – I'd like to not deal with them. So here's Although a we deal with a lot of politicians, so there's probably a lot of that. Here's a question for you. Yeah. Men that live that that benevolent sexism thing at home, do they take that into their professional space? And then how are women that are not their wives that then that characteristic is carried over and maybe perhaps that patronizing byproduct of how they exist the majority of their personal life, how does that allow women to flex in the professional space? I don't know. I mean, I'd like to think that men have feel men, men that are in that scenario feel the need to protect their wives and their children. In a professional space, it's different. And and maybe maybe it's actually worse in a professional space because they don't feel the need to protect women. So it actually is exactly what you run into with a dude challenging a yeah. WNBA player. I worry. I just worry about that. If 
if evolution or traditional gender roles or the space we occupy in the world based on our gender is accepted at home because it's your personal preference, do, do people have the wherewithal? Do men have the wherewithal to understand that you don't get to treat your professional female sort of colleagues the same way? So, so I think benevolent sexism or BS is being called. Which it is. It's different. Like, I wonder if men that are abusive to women inside their home, so I'm taking it to a totally different level, are abusive to women outside and what that looks like. Because do they still feel, because men that are abusive in their own home feel the need to control the person that they're with. Do they feel the need to control women as a whole outside of that? I mean, it's all all conjecture at this point, but it feels like they probably don't just randomly hit women they work with, but are they, if you hit your wife at home, are you like a totally lovely guy who builds coalition with people, you know, with women at work? I mean, probably not. Well, think about the former attorney general in New York. Yeah. He was a big player in the Democratic Party. He was building coalitions. He was doing things and then beating the shit out of women on the side. I don't know. It's like all I don't... tied to like weird sex stuff too, though. I mean, well, it was, but it wasn't because remember the one woman was like, "This had nothing to do with sex. He just beat me because he, he felt like because I said no to sex." Actually, that woman. Oh, I is think. that yeah. why? Yeah, oh. it was the end of the date. But I mean, yes, I think that everyone gets to make their own choices in life. You get to be the kind of person you want to be. You get to be the kind of marriage you want to live in. But you can't be short sighted about. Be the change you want to see in the world. You know, Mahatma Gandhi, it's a thing. It's like a real thing. And you can't fool yourself by saying, I'm cool with a marriage this way. And that's going to have nothing to do with the world. Like, you just have to be thoughtful. Like, you occupy space in a world. If you want that world to get better, like, you have to occupy that space responsibly. And so make some decisions, people. Make some decisions that don't 100% revolve around your own personal happiness. Just think about your neighbor. And just don't be a douchebag. So we teased it a little bit in the intro, but it's a big year for women, which we talked about. We talked about on the show with Michael Steele last week. But the big, a a really big change in women leadership is in the governorships. Um, There's a really interesting article in the New York Times, These Women Could Shatter Glass Ceilings in Governor's Races. And there is a fraught history in this country with women in in governor's mansions. Only six states have women governors. Only 28 have ever had women governors, so a little over half. And uh, there is this funny thing that happens with voters. Voters tend to ascribe to women the traits considered good for legislative bodies. They build coalitions. They work great together. Um, But women – and so women are good collaborators. They listen well. But it's different when you voters have to elect a boss. And the governor really is the boss of a state. And those executive branch positions, starting with the president – we've never had a female president – we are not great as a country electing women to those positions. So it was really interesting, though. So women that are governors have to be pretty strong and powerful, which is a really big job, which leads people to think that they are not nice. So and they don't associate being nice with being strong and powerful. Like you can't be both. And nobody would ever make that question of men as to whether or not you're nice or strong or capable. Like, yeah. So why do we have to be? But it's what they all think. Right. So the 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 former acting ma- governor of Massachusetts, Jane Swift, in 2001 said, if they think you're nice, they think you can't run their state. And if they think that you can run their state, they worry you're not nice. Why is that it's a fucking like, thing? It's the epic Fuck you. female catch-22. Right. Because women, people don't prefer women who are cold. There's an expectation of personality trait. Right. But to, but to be strong, I mean... The big thing about Hillary Clinton 
was that she was cold and she was not nice and she was a bitch. But to get to where she was, she had to be those things. Totally. But then in the end of the day, they're like, ah. And all these voters are like, ah, I mean, I feel like I'd really get a beer with Bernie and I'd never want a beer with Hillary, which I'll, I'll kick you straight in your crotch to have a beer with Hillary Clinton. That would right. be amazing. But yes, I mean, it is this amazing catch-22. So this article, you guys all should read it. We'll put it on the Facebook page. It's super interesting. But it tells all these like sort of small tales of former female governors. So in New Jersey, Christine Todd Whitman ran for Senate um, in 1990, and she missed it by a very small margin. And she said, I maintain that if I had, beca- had been a man, I would not have had a three-way primary for governor. So she was she lost the Senate by like this little tiny bit, which means she the Republican showed up. And then instead of the Republican part of New Jersey being like, she's our gal, like she can do this, it's gonna, if we just got to put some money, instead, they let these sort of men run. And she won, you know, having done what I did in the Senate, she said I, sh- I should have been on- automatically on the ticket. Um, but she eventually became the governor later, but the fact that they put all these obstacles and she said, I get a lot of, oh, my God, you'd be so great. But can oh, this is actually a woman running now in um, in Roy's in Minnesota, the woman that did the breastfeeding ad. Do you remember yeah. that? Yes. Yeah. Which was amazing. And she said she gets a lot of, oh, my God, you'd be so great. But can you win? Wouldn't it be better off nominating some boring old white guy? Because that's inoffensive to voters. Right. It's just standard. It's just standard now. But, I, you know, but I think it's changing and I think this article is good. I mean, in, in all the things that are happening across elections all over the country in both state legislative races, governor's races, Congress, more women are running and more women are getting elected on both sides. I mean, even the Republicans are getting their shit together. Yeah. I mean, in there's not a lot of Republicans, but in South Dakota, Christy Nome would be it would that would be a legislative to executive switch. She's a sitting um unsurprisingly South Dakota only has one. There was a woman running in Iowa as well too. In a Iowa. Republican. Yeah, Kim Reynolds. Oh, she's the incumbent. I don't know. But um I think I think it's something to think about. I think progress is made slowly and do women want to stop do women want to stop being co- like community builders? Good at groups, coalition builders. No, that I think kind of it's. Stuff. A, I think we can be both. <laughs> I think you could just fucking be both. And I think Tracy's going to get a tattoo that says, "Why can't we be both?" I right don't understand why we can't be both. If we're equal, why can't we be both? Why can't we be strong and powerful and collaborators? I mean, this so perfectly goes back to benevolent right. sexism because being both is contrary to the definition of this thing. I know, I don't know. I I'm <laughs> I don't know that it is. I'm going to turn that into my ringtone. <laughs> <laughs> I can buy my own fucking dinner, but you should buy my dinner. So, uh, if you so if we translate that to this governor's thing, the, the the same thing would be to saying to voters, I can build groups. I can I can curry good support with people of all sides, but I can also make a fucking decision when I need to for the benefit of this state. Right. And why why is it just automatically assume women can't do that because we can't be cutthroat or something? They haven't seen Tracy and I all drunk at a bar with I a bunch of douche. I don't I don't know. I don't know that it's assumed that we can't do both. I mean, I think some I think it is. I mean, that's what this is saying. It well, is assumed. No, I don't think it's assumed. I think that people prefer one or the other. Like if, well, yeah, I guess you're right, actually. If you're nice, you're not a bitch. Correct. Right. And if you're not a bitch, you can't make hard decisions. Right. So what's to say like, and I, I, I realize that this, I realize that I am who I am. I'm Kelly in this dynamic of Kelly and Tracy. <laughs> but I have, I take a lot of issue with the, the examples 
of strong women in pop culture, in the movies, on reality television, in music videos, in actual examples, Fortune 500 CEOs, political leaders. There are far fewer women. This is what I was trying to say to Michael Steele last week. We've never challenged the norm. There's never been more women owning a space of leadership than men. In, in, maybe maybe there's something, a corner that I'm not thinking about. But generally speaking, men have owned sort of quote-unquote leadership. So how are all these women coming up supposed to say like, oh, shit, I'm going to buck that. I'm going to buck that. I'm going to be both. I'm going to I'm gonna change the norms. And men are going to just go along with me. Men are going to be like, cool with me being strong and me being weak at the same time. So this isn't political at all. But have you by any chance watched the reality show? I've very, watched all of them. Very Cavallari? Yes. Okay. I mean like two episodes. Okay. So – so uh, Kristen Cavallari is married to former quarterback Jay Cutler. And She's he, formerly of an MTV show called The Hills from like when hold, I'm a child. Laguna Beach. Was it The Hills? The Hills. Or the Laguna Beach. I don't, anyway, both. the only reason that Greg and I watch the show is because Jay Cutler is fucking hysterical. Like he is just – anyway. So Kristen Cavallari was on this really dumb, like totally – what appeared to be airheaded, not super like – Those rich kids. Right. You would have yeah. never assumed that these people were going to go out and do great things. And and maybe that's sexist for me to say that. But like if you watched one episode of it, it was pretty fucking terrible. So I didn't know anything about Kristen Cavallari except that. And she was doing this show and launching uh, a new product line called Uncommon James, which is a jewelry line, jewelry. accessories, mm-hmm. homes in Nashville. And she's amazing. Like, I've watched the show. She is a badass businesswoman that is, like, totally kicking ass and killing it. It's awesome. But two of the women that work for her, total fucking idiots. And one They're is in a awesome. fight about their boyfriends. They're always in a fight about their boyfriends. Brittany, who runs the, the, the store, is pretty impressive and amazing. Anyway, my point in bringing all this up is Kristen Cavallari appeared to be a spoiled airhead. And is totally awesome and totally kicking ass and crushing it on the show and crushing it with her product line. So I think we need more examples of things like that, of women that are killing it on their own. Yeah. And if I may. Sure. Put my, like, progressive peg in the ground. I think she does really well because she had a shit ton of money to start a line. Yeah. So like, and I don't take any of her boss lady away from her, but she was born with wealth and she married wealth, and having wealth gives you tons of opportunities. And she's taking advantage in the right way. But she had more money yes. than he did. I don't know. They both had a lot of money. Right. Well, I, mean, I looked it up. Yeah. Oh. So okay. she had more yeah. money. Yeah. Personally, her net worth was bigger than his. Than his. It wasn't. Yeah. I mean, it's all relative. It wasn't insane. It wasn't like Kardashian yeah. money. But I agree with you that she could have just played the house housewife, but she didn't. She decided to start a business. And the one I watched, yes, it doesn't matter. But she is a good example. And I do think she's on reality and she runs an empire. And I wish the Kardashians would step up because they're the richest fucking women on the history of the world. But they still play the old damsel like thing, which I don't. Well, Much Kendall, well, the little one didn't. The yeah. little one has like a fucking empire the, of like yeah, lip billions, gloss yeah. that makes your so lips I do, puffy. But I think like if you watch a rom-com, if you watch a comedy, I just would love for a cult, the culture shift, shift to take us into examples of women that get the choice to either say both or say, say I'm going to be the head of household or I'm not going to play into your patronizing benevolent sexism or say I know all my fucking options and I'm still like fucking Fifty Shades of Grey. I mean – can we talk about benevolent sexism? I mean, that shit was real. So, wait, you think Fifty Shades of Grey was benevolent sexism? I mean, also like masochism and like or whatever S and S and M. I don't know other stuff too. But 
he made the money and controlled her in the movie. I mean, mm. for sure. Yeah. Okay. So I think that we need more cultural examples of options for women. I'm totally distracted now. Because you're thinking about it. Yeah. Well, my, my mind has gone Soft elsewhere. porn. Nothing like it. Yeah. So I think let us all husband is so be hot. thoughtful. <laughs> oh, my God. She needs a moment. A quiet it's moment hot. by herself. Like, it's hot. We'll just, Richard and I will just turn around oh and you God. can do you. Um, so everybody keep your eye out today on the elections. There's big ones and on, on governors. I swear it's just going to be good for the world more. I don't care about your party. It's going to be good for the world to have more women in the mansion. You're going to care about the party when it's a bunch of Republican women. You we'll know who there. I'd prefer to a Republican man? A, a Republican, Republican woman. <laughs> there you go. So, yeah. <laughs> we're going to we're going to sneak in a uh, stupid shit. It's a short one but a bold one. In a parade, the announcer of a parade said that the Boy Scouts of America are future leaders of America and the Girl Scouts of America are just having fun. And a 12-year-old girl took some offense and wrote an article to her local paper saying that she was offended by the announcer and thought that he should take it back and got went viral. That 12-year-old girl went viral. So It was pretty amazing. And yeah. do you think that was sort of benevolent sexism? Like, or do you think the guy was just a fucking idiot? I think that guy was just sexist. But he, and shitty. Yeah. Yeah, small town and like the girls get, yeah, I mean, I think you can make, which is what we talk so much about in here, that you have to make changes differently when when g- women are girls, when you have to define a culture of opportunity and um, and choice. And if you are a little girl in that Girl Scouts of America that wasn't quite as bold as this little girl and that went down and you were just like, oh, I guess we're just having fun, you know, and this little girl was like, fuck you. And per- perhaps her mom or her dad or her grandma or her her troop leader instilled that sort of confidence. But fuck you, announcer. Yeah. We should stand up. <laughs> well, I think that, you know, today we took a little bit of break from giant partisan politics, which <laughs> get back to the roots with Tracy Dietz and me. But I think that uh, it was a fun ride today. So it we was. hope you guys had fun too. Talking about, you know, awesome women and asshats. Anyway, we had lots of fun. Thanks so much for listening. Listen and subscribe to Dame It All to Hell on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks, guys. See you next week.